Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Trini Rodriguez is the co-founder and former executive director of Tia Chucha's Centro Cultural and Bookstore, a cultural center and bookstore in LA's San Fernando Valley that transforms community through ancestral knowledge, the arts, literacy, and creative engagement. Trini facilitates Women's Healing Sweat Lodge and healing circles in Native American and Native Mexican traditions. She and husband Luis J. Rodriguez produced the Hummingbird Cricket Hour podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Poetic Resurrection. Our guest today is Trini Rodriguez, and she is a poet and a facilitator of Women's Healing Sweat Lodge and Healing Circles in the Native American and Native Mexican traditions. Welcome, Trini. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, no, I really am interested in the the healing and the fact that you're a poet and you can work all those in together. I mean, I think that's fascinating. So what poem do you have for us today? I have a poem that deals with women and the way I see women too. So I wrote it for International Women's Day some years back, and it reads this way. I've been a woman too long searching for ways to escape this cocoon, to spread wings wide, no longer hide my being, my heart, my life, aching to find my way home to this body through this voice. No more asking permission to be me, know myself, be at one with destiny. Today, International Women's Day, in honor of women born before, in thanks for, to women here now, I offer a prayer, a divine mandala, color of freedoms and dreams. Bless this awaited return to the roots of our sacred knowing that while our days are numbered, our presence will be counted in courage bared, in love shared. For when we stand, live out loud, rescue our trampled souls, we heal the spirit within to humbly transform, to proudly say, I've been a woman. That's beautiful. Thank you. I mean, it's just, there's so much acknowledgement now and in being a woman and having that National Women's Day and having you do that poem. And it's so true. We don't listen to our feminine side because the feminine side was always like, oh, no, you have to be assertive and a go-getter. And there's nothing wrong with the feminine side. I was telling someone else that it bothers me that when they change the name of something, it's always the Mm -hmm. feminine that leaves. There's nothing wrong with the feminine that we try to belong in a man's world for so long that we, we forgot who we are and that we actually have a lot to offer. You work with that. You do work with the women in the sweat lodges and healing. Yes. Can you tell us more about that? 
because it's really interesting. Yes, I, I agree with you. There's been so much that's been pushed aside about our feminine aspect of ourselves. And when I, it's an energy, it's an energy that's in everything and in everyone. And so the way that I see it, the feminine has to be rescued again, to be re- honored again in a way that's proper. And it's been distorted, it's been diminished, just as women have been diminished. But I think we ought to also recognize that, again, the feminine energy is in males and females. We carry both energies. It's not just a, an energy that belongs to women. In fact, it's the creator energy. It's what allows us to give birth. It's what allows us to again, not just give birth to human beings, but also to to creative and regenerative things because it's the mother energy. And, and that, again, can be cultivated and nourished in everyone. And unfortunately, it's been um, made second to the masculine, to production, to organizing, to the structuring of things, as opposed to being the feminine, which is the first energy, which is the one where you imagine and you honor life and try to protect it. And so it's just, a, I think, a very important thing. So in my work as a, a sweat lodge leader and also doing healing circles, that's one of the things that that I find is very, very common. There's this real sadness and um, just a, a sense of not being understood uh, by others, but also we don't understand ourselves. And so a lot of the the work that has to do with, with sweat lodge and so on is for us to recover our true selves and going inward, going into, I don't know if you've ever been to a sweat lodge, but um, I haven't. Okay, well, it's a very, very old practice. It's a uh, it's all over the continent, not just here in, in North America with Native Americans here, but in South America, Central America, and in other places. And the idea is that you go back into the womb. Now, of course, figuratively, it's a metaphor. Basically, you're going into a structure that looks like a, a little hut. And for Native Americans in this on this continent, it's uh, it's an inipi, and it's basically made of willows uh, shaped in a dome, and then you put blankets on it, and then inside there's a, a fire, uh, rather a fire pit. It's on the outside where the the volcanic rocks get heated, but then they get brought in to the lodge in the center, and you pour water on it, and it's basically a steam bath, and it's a steam bath not just for you physically. It's a steam bath for for you to cleanse yourself emotionally as well, psychologically as well, and spiritually as well. So it's a time and a place to recenter yourself and to also let go. Because we know that when we take a bath, what are we doing? We're getting rid of the toxins. We're getting rid of old skin. We're getting rid of, uh, you know, what what we have that we don't need anymore. And sometimes that shows up in emotional baggage, memories that we're holding on to that perhaps we haven't learned from, but if we have, it's time to let them go to make room for the new. And that's what the rebirthing is. You go in to transform yourself so that when you leave, you are more prepared, you know yourself better, you're clearer, and you're able to to move forward in a better way. So that's the, the intent of a sweat lodge. And how long is that some for? Is it something you do for an hour or hours? Or how long do you stay in the sweat lodge? The, again, it, it depends on how, how much time is required. Again, I do the sweat lodge for women. There are practices where 
in some cases you have men and women together and then also just men by themselves but again because of the kind of damage that we've suffered as women sometimes what we need is a space where we know that it's safe and it's it's confidential everything that's said there is confidential so this purging this uh, letting go is something that uh, sometimes can take you know a little time and sometimes it takes more time it just depends on what's needed and so it can be anywhere from an hour to two hours to three hours there had been four hour sweat lodges and the idea in in some cases, people like to talk, but really the idea is not that you're talking inside, you're praying inside. And Ooh. prayer is for different people is different things. But for a sweat lodge, all you're doing is speaking from the heart. You're not reciting something that's been scripted for you. You're basically praying from, from your center. Deeply, from your soul? From your soul. That's the and, and it's interesting that the lodge would be in the dark because when you go inside, there is no light. You're closing the flap of the door that you walk into, which is, again, a, a blanket. And so it's entirely dark, just like in the womb. It's dark, it's moist, it's warm, and you're going to hear the heartbeat. Well, the heartbeat is the drum that we play. And the singing is basically an, an offer of prayers. So what we ask people to do is we ask them to sing, join whoever's leading the song, and, and also to, to pray, to really speak from that place where, where we know a lot of times we hide our, our insecurities, we hide our fears, we hide our biggest concerns. And of course, that can be very damaging because we carry it in our body. What we don't release, we're carrying. And so that can be very heavy after a while. These practices allow us to take the time to attend to ourselves. I think that's great. What do you do? Because I'm I'm naive with this. I'm going to ask you questions. Probably the regular sure. person would probably have for you. Do you not drink water during that time? Or do you have water with you because of the sweating? Mm -hmm. I just want to know that if someone would be interested in this, they wouldn't be afraid of dehydrating. Right. The idea, too, is um, it's very good to lose a lot of water. You're going to perspire. And so what we ask people to do is to prepare on a number of levels. Physically, you want to make sure that you're, that you're hydrating. You're, you're well hydrated before you get in. And also that you haven't been eating heavy things because your digestion takes a lot of energy too. So if you're in there and you're, you've had a big meal, well, that's not going to help you if you're trying to release and let go. So we ask that people do that also because we, what we, the toxins that we have in our bodies are, if we've ingested anything that's toxic to our bodies, like let's say, say we've been drinking alcohol or we've had uh, drugs that we shouldn't take. If we've had that, that's going to be released too. So we don't want to have things in our body that are going to be difficult to release. So we ask to people to abstain from that. Uh, for at least four days before. Yes, you, you do want to be well hydrated. And, and no, we don't drink water during the sweat lodge. But the flap does open four times because we pray in the, direct, the four directions. It will open four times. And during those, uh, what you might call breaks, uh, we can pass around water, but we don't do it during the during the, the prayer and the, and the song time. Okay, that's really, because it's, it's fascinated me I actually studied the U.S. 
uh, Native American cultures for a year at UCLA, I studied the music. Oh, yeah. So it was fascinating. I've always had an interest in that because it's so close to earth. You know, it's the appreciation of the earth and you give gratitude to the earth. I'm like a tree hugger. I just love plants and Mm -hmm. you know, animals and all of that kind of stuff. So studying the Native American culture Mm -hmm. and the beauty of it with the gratitude for life is always fascinated me. It starts there and it's a beautiful way to to enter anything, to start your day, to, of course, start prayer. Prayer should be started with gratitude. We've been in many ways misdirected to, to think of prayer as a time to be asking but really what we're do, what we're supposed to do is start the prayer starts with gratitude and then what we we may ask after we express our gratitude is to ask for guidance for the things that we we can't seem to do alone or that we don't seem to have you know tapped into one thing i did want to add is that i was i was asked and and given permission to to lead these sweat lodges by my adopted dad I, I was just so lucky with that when I was, I think it was 40, it was 19, 1989. I, I just by chance, my husband who uh, had already started doing sweat lodge on the Navajo reservation, he was, he was there to speak to youth because youth are, are troubled everywhere uh, to the degree that we've, we've lost our way from our traditions, our most um, sacred, you know, understandings. Um, people are, are starting to get very lost. And so that's true also on the reservation. So he was asked to speak to youth there and in the process met someone who became my father and adopted us. He's a medicine man and he adopted me and, and my family. And he is the one that, you know, Trini, you ought to, you ought to do lodge. And I'll tell you, that's the last thing I wanted to do. I, you know, for part of our, I, because the way we've been damaged in this society is that we don't know we don't know what we know we don't know what we're tapped into we feel like we're entirely lost and of course i felt that way too so it took me a while to even accept you know the idea that that i could run lodge in the process one of the things he told me was i don't expect you to be dene which is the their word for navajo the their people and he says but you know, in the process, what you'll end up doing is you'll find your way back to your own ways. And that's partly what's happened. I've been able to now travel to and meet quite a few curanderas, which is from Mexico. Um, Mm -hmm. And just last February, just before the pandemic uh, closed the borders down, I was on a trip to Mexico with curanderos. It's beautiful. The way that Sweat Lodge gets done there is slightly different. It's not with any willows, but rather it's a it's a dome structure that is made of adobe, and so it's it's almost like being in an oven, but of course you're safe. And this is a, a very very old tradition, as I mentioned. So these are women who have who do this regularly as a way of it's a healing, literally healing, where they use the water and the herbs that they use for either teas or or for just for the water that they pour on the rocks. It has all medicine is in our plants. And so the medicine will come through in the air as if we're drinking it also. So it's a way of you're getting medicine through your pores. But also, if you drink it, it it will come through your body that way. And so there's an it's an interesting exchange. You're perspiring out the things that you don't need, but you're getting in the things that you do need. 
Yeah. So it's a, a rebalancing really is what yeah. it is. Yeah. Now it's beautiful. And for those of you that don't know what a curandero is translated is a healer. Exactly. Um, now I also now that that that's a good segue into my next question, which sure. is uh, what is what are healing circles and how do they work? Well, I'm glad you asked that because it's um, there's a there's a distinction between what some people are calling talking circles. Mm -hmm. And you pass it to us, uh, stick around and you you talk. But really healing circles go a little deeper than that. They are, again, they're, you're supposed to, if someone wants a healing circle, it's usually because they're going through some type of trouble, some type, some type of challenge that they feel they need guidance and help with. And so the idea is to bring medicine to that circle, medicine to help someone get through those struggles. So the the idea is that if they ask you for for help with that, then the then you basically ask that person who would they like there too, because sometimes a person wants to talk to just you, and sometimes they want their circle of support, their their friends, their mother, their whoever it is that they feel that they can be truthful in a circle uh, with. And sometimes it may not be your closest relatives, it's interesting enough. It may be the people that you allow yourself to be honest with and that know you well and that aren't going to sit there and judge you if you're going through a struggle that's difficult that perhaps other people would judge. The idea is to you come together to again do pretty much the same thing you do in a sweat lodge. You're uh, you sing, you you pray, you this person will will ask uh, will first of all explain their situation what they're struggling with and they will just just release that way what it is that they're concerned about and surprisingly enough a lot of times people which is very interesting a lot of times it takes just saying things out loud that will allow people to come to their answers that we hold inside anyway and so the interesting thing is that the medicine that we can offer, of course, there's cleansing sage and there's copal, uh, which is the resin from the tree that you burn and bless with. There's all kinds of different things that you can do. But the main thing is that you're sitting in a circle of respect and honesty and transparency yeah. so, that, so that we can be real about where we're at and get closer again if we've lost our way to who we really are, because when we're tapped into who we are, that's when we can do our best in finding our way again. And so sometimes that takes a circle. It takes a circle. And so it's a it's circle. Healing. I'm sorry, you faded out a circle of what it's, it's a circle of support and healing. If you look at the word healing and what it really means, it means to become whole. It just means to become whole. And a lot of times, if you if you look at trauma, we realize that we many times we're, we're separate even from ourselves, we dissociate, if something's really painful, and we can't deal with it, we start, and we don't remember, I know, in my in my life, there was a lot of things, a lot of blacked out periods that I just don't even know, I can't account for. And so the idea is to be able to face yourself, but also face the fact that that you have the capacity and with medicine and with guidance and again mostly honesty and with heart we can recover we can recover to be our full authentic 
real selves, not to have to pretend, not to have to do what somebody else thinks we should do, but to be able to stand up and say, no, this is who I am, not as a way of being rejecting of other people or, or their suggestions, but really to know that, that the truest ones are going to come from us. And that's when we're going to be able to stand in a, in a good way. Well, the self-acceptance, when you feel that you have to be someone else, you know, people can mm -hmm. see right through that. They could, oh. they might be not call you on it or anything like that, but they might say, you know, there's something not right. They're not telling me everything or you could sense this because even though we live in a very material world, our gut and our spirit, our own spirit, especially if we're in touch with it, can tell us when something's not right. We mm -hmm. don't have to wait, but I think something like a healing circle can bring it to the surface. Yes, exactly. Which I think is so important because even for me, I use myself as an example all the time because I am such a work in progress. And that's why I started this podcast about exploring perceptions because it's all what we think. Now that thinking might be how your culture, you, you were taught in your culture or your family or where you live, the environment, but it's not yours. And to really get in touch with that soul part of you that knows everything and bring that to the surface, I think that's beautiful. And I think a healing circle would be such an advantageous thing for most people. I mean, as you're talking, I'm like, hmm, maybe I want one of those. Yes, they call them platicas. They're basically where you're again, you're tapping into your heart, because a lot of times to protect ourselves, to protect our feelings, to protect our heart, we will have shields, we'll have barriers, we'll set up walls, because we don't trust that people are going to be careful with us, or we maybe we've made mistakes in our judgment of who we let in. And so we don't trust ourselves. And so we have to learn to trust ourselves again, more deeply, and not take those mistakes or those, those errors in judgment as the end all of what we're capable of, but rather looking at those as, okay, well, I won't do that again. <laughs> and learn that, okay, I can learn. It's not making a mistake doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means you didn't have the experience to know something other than that until now yeah. to recover your confidence and your, your belief in yourself. Yeah. And it's also allowing yourself to be vulnerable, and, but be vulnerable around the right people. Yes. Because I find that if you're vulnerable around everybody, there are people that are going to take advantage of that. And, yes. be, and it's their story. It's not your story you're bringing into it. They're bringing their experiences and their story. Come across people and they, they have like this set, you need to act like this and say things like this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? That's not living. That's, no, not, that's not. not living. That's not following your soul. And mm -hmm. so many people when they retire is when they say, oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. Even if finances, because most people are afraid of the financial part of it all. Mm -hmm. And even if your finances are that way, then work your regular job and do your passion when you come home. But to mm -hmm. suppress who you are and what your soul is telling you, it's yeah. death of the soul, I find. It is. It is very much so. And that's why I think it's interesting that the soul is it's associated with darkness. It's associated with shadow. It's associated with depth. It's it's good that it is because that means we can we can protect it. If it's something deep, then we can protect it. At the same time, it should be not so deep that we can't access it because that's like our that's like our root. That's what we're supposed to be rooted in. And if for whatever reason we were made fun of, or let's say we're we're very sensitive, or 
or we're we we don't seem to have our sense of ourselves it's it's because we were there's a we're being tentative to our connection to our soul who we are who you can't change who you are you can only be who you are but that takes a lot of even that takes courage if being who you are does not look normal even even just being a poet or even being an artist or being a writer or or wanting to create podcasts for healing they may think well that's weird but no it's actually if that's really coming from a place of you wanting to fulfill your a calling that's deep that's not not based on what other people think you should do but because you can't help but do it that's a soul thing yeah, it's it's important to find out what that is for each of us. Yes. You know, I've been an actor. I've been writer, poet, dancer. I mean, I've been everything entertainment. It's my passion to do that. Now, my frustration with it is that you don't make any money. So you still have to have a regular job to yes. do it. But my saving grace was that I, I did do it. Mm-hmm. I had to let go of the anxiety of mm-hmm. the money part. I got to make money. I got to make money. You know, I just, I, once I let go of that and just says, you know, this is my passion. I'm doing it. I should enjoy it instead of stressing that it's not making money. Mm Because let's face it, you know, what do they say in in people in SAG, which is the union I'm in, Mm -hmm. less than 5% make a living off of acting. Less than 5%. That, those are terrible odds. So accepting that, I accepted that. I'm probably not going to make that my living, which is I'm okay because I've kind of shifted. Mm-hmm. I've gotten more into the soul part of me. It was very hard to let go of that. It was difficult because you you feel like, well, I'm doing my passion. Why am I not making money? And the healing part of it came with meditation for me. And I'm a, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm a work in progress. This kind of stuff that seems to accelerate you getting into that to me is is a wonderful idea. You were telling me that you got your native name recently. Can you explain how you get a native name and how that works? Blessings that we've had is that at the Achuchas we have there's we're surrounded by Galpulis, which are groups of Mexica danzantes who practice the culture and share that culture with community as an as an element of recovery for all of us to be tapped into our own ways be able to again recover that aspect of ourselves we were lucky enough one of the groups Tlokenawake, which is um, one of the groups at the Achuchas. The Achuchas is the cultural center that my husband and myself established in the San Fernando Valley they offered to do a naming ceremony for myself and for my grandson, who was very much interested in his recovering his native roots. So my husband also got his name. The idea is that you're supposed to get a name that reflects your energies, the energies that you carry. There's a way to know what the what those energies are if you know how to read the Aztec calendar. It's called the Aztec calendar, but it's the sun calendar. And it's the, what it is, is it, you have to know the day and the time of your birth. And they will look on the calendar and trace it back and see what the energies were at that time. And it goes up to 15 minutes, up to as close as 15 minutes from the time of your birth. 
So what they did is they read our energies and then based on the, the energies that we carry, they gave us our names. And when you look at what that does for a person, again, I didn't get that done until I was 65. And this is supposed to happen every 13 years. You basically the same point, the earth and, the, and all the alignment of the stars and the sun and everything, that alignment is exactly the same every 13 years on your birthday. So that's why it's every 13 years. So you're back in that same at that same point and it's time to check yourself because obviously what the energies that you were born with if you've worked with them if you if you've developed them you're going to be not not at the same level you're going to be at a higher level and Ooh, that okay. means that your name will also shift so because your energies are still there but you've worked them it's another and of course you're at another stage in your life too 13 is different than 26 is different than 39 is different mm -hmm. than 52 and different than 65. And it keeps that's the idea you get your name based on your energies. But also, it helps you know, not just your, your of course, our energies can be positive. And you know, they can be strengths and weaknesses too. part of my energies were well, the, the strongest energy that I have is one that has to do with nurturing. It's interesting <laughs> enough. I didn't know that until I was 65. And it, it turns out it's associated, it's an energy associated with uh, curanderas and with uh, weaving and with weaving in the sense of creating, of taking what there is and making something beautiful out of it in a caring way. And so that's one of the, the energies I have. And so it's, my name is La Soteo. And so it's a beautiful beautiful ceremony. It's one that it would be beautiful if everybody had that ability to to know themselves that well and to be seen. Because part of what it does is it tells you you are unique, you have your unique energies, which is your gift. And so the importance of knowing what that gift is, to, so that you can work it and offer it because a gift isn't something that you just hold on to and just know a gift is an offering. And all of us have offerings, but very few of us know what that offering is. To me, it's tragic that a lot of us go through life without a sense of what it is that our gift is. We're asking ourselves, in fact, a lot of times, what's the most common thing that kids get asked when they're in school? Oh, what are you going to be? Well, as if... <laughs> as if it's uh, something that you're just going to pull out of the sky because you saw this commercial or you saw this ad or, or, or somebody does it and so you're going to just copy what you see. But rather, it should be unique to what you, energies you bring. That's the idea that your parents and the person who knows how to read the calendar can help you understand what are this child's energies and you protect them that way because you know what they are and you help guide them so that they get developed. Ah, it's almost like a psychology test. I mean, it just it knows mm -hmm. your inner workings from a very young age. I think that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I would love how do people find out about stuff like this? Do you know? Well, there's there's again, because of the, the, the resurgence of people interested in tapping back into old knowledge. Yes. One of the things is a lot of the danzante groups, which become calpulis, which is basically a community family uh, groups that mm -hmm. help each other maintain and develop that understanding. Uh, one of the things that we did, yes, one of the things that we did was uh, to offer a class where we would teach the how to read the um, calendar 
and energies and all that. And so there are people at the Achuchas who know how to do that. And of course, it, I'm sure uh, you have to be careful. Some people on the internet will say that they know too, but it really has to be people who've studied it very, very deeply. I can't say that I've studied it deeply, but I know what it's about and I know who to go to for it. No, that's that's great. I mean, Tia Chucha, I've been there and I know you moved from your previous location. And we're about to move again. Again? Yes, we're about to move again. We should be moving, uh, we think, in July when we're able to open up again. This space is about two and a half times bigger which allows for us to do more than we were able to in the old space. We outgrew that space a long time ago and you know we were able to find another one. And so we'll be doing a lot more with community and for community. So yeah, is it still going to be in the same area? Yes, it's still in Silmar. We don't want to abandon the, com the community that's come to depend on us and, yes. and that we know and that we, you know, collaborate so well with. So yes. Perfect. Is there any ending thoughts that you would like to share with the audience something we didn't cover or something that you really would like people to know yes i think that um it's important for us to understand that we carry medicine all of us carry medicine and again it's related to our gifts it's i think something that's come very clear now that the pandemic allowed us to kind of step back and reevaluate where we are not just as you you know our, us as individuals, but as a collective society and community and families, what is it that we value and how are we going to protect that so that we, we can be our full selves and we can get closer to what our soul's purpose is. And so I would say that it's just so important for us to not put that off because the sooner we really understand ourselves, the sooner we can develop ourselves in a way that honors who we are and in the process will honor all of us by again sharing that part of ourselves that's really true perfect and how can people reach you let's say they want to maybe join one of your um, sweat lodges or a healing circle how do they contact you one of the things that my husband and i do is we we do a podcast called the hummingbird cricket hour Chucha. Org. Perfect. And there you could find links to all your other places. Yes, I'm no longer the executive director there. But anybody who tries to reach me there, they just forward the information. Well, that would be perfect. Yeah, because they could look online, they could contact you regarding these healing. How often do you hold these healing circles and uh, sweat lodges? The sweat lodge, unfortunately, has been it hasn't been able to happen during the pandemic. But then normally they happen every month. And we, we expect to resume also in July because, again, we're told that the herd immunity should be okay by then. And it seems that most of the people we know are vaccinated and we would just ask that they make sure that they are because we yeah. want to keep people safe. And we didn't, we didn't want to take the chance that, that we were going to contact the virus either through ourselves or through others. So we, we just didn't do it for all this time. But yes, we're really looking forward to resuming that. <laughs> we need oh, it. Perfect. Mm -hmm. I want to thank you so much for being here to for reading that lovely poem and the healing to because I think our soul needs to be healed so badly. And people think of from the outside in versus the inside out. Yes. And there are people out there that there's a pill for everything instead yes. of working on who they are. So yes. I wanted to thank you so much for being on, on the show. Thank you. And many blessings. Many blessings to you. 
Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates.